Welcome to The Black Athlete, a podcast where we put the past into the present of black sports. I'm Lewis Moore. I'm Derek White. We're sports historians here to give you the historical context for contemporary black athletes. And welcome back to The Black Athlete. I'm Lewis Moore, author of I Fight for a Living and We Will Win the Day. You can also check out my Audible on African-American athletes on Amazon. This is Derek White, author of The Challenge of Blackness and Blood, Sweat, and Tears, Florida A&M, Jake Gaither, and the History of Black College Football. Welcome back, Lou. Oh, man. Good, good, good to be back. Good to be back. We Last episode, we wrapped up the bubble. This episode, we're going to talk about the World Series, and then sports are over. Just kidding. We still have football. <laughs> for now, we have football. For now. for now yeah for now and we have school for now like i'm like um oh gosh i'm grading and uh it's the worst thing ever but then my my kids are they've been on zoom for like the last since march and then we're thinking about putting them back in in november and now all these schools are starting to shut down again and i'm like i don't know if i could zoom for a year and a half straight with these kids so Hopefully, hopefully, hopefully there's something that happens where, where the kids can go back. Um, my kids can get their sports seasons back. Um, other than that, uh, I'm good. Yeah, same here. Kids, are, they think they're talking about having sending the kids back in a couple of weeks in early November. So we shall see how that goes uh, here as well. Uh, but today we got a special guest, Lou. So you want to introduce our special guest? We have a special guest. We have a young sports writer, one of the top sports writers in the game. He's a columnist for the New York Daily News. It's Bradford William Davis. Hey ho. Welcome. Oh, that's all we get is we get a yo. That's that's very New York of of of, of Bradford. Bradford is from Queens and, and and Brooklyn. Uh real quick, favorite rap group growing up. Ooh, uh man. So I was pretty corny. I was a late comer to hip hop growing up. That's okay. But like, oh gosh. I, can say, I can say retrospectively, um, you know, probably Nas, probably Mob, something like that. Okay, but what what is corny like? What uh, is, I don't, I don't. Corny, corny means that I grew up in a um, a musical household. My dad's a jazz musician, actually. But like, oh, that's fine. But one, but one that but one that was very devoutly Christian. And so a lot of gospel, okay. which is not not a corny genre, by the way, like Kirk Franklin and all that. But like, but because of that, like you know, because of the cusses and the you know and the content, I was not listening to tons of quote unquote secular rap music growing up. Oh, so a relative late comer to a lot of stuff, you know. Though I mean, like nowadays, like you know, it's I write to Ghostface, like you know, shout out to my boy Jason Buford who, who put me on the Ghostface at a very unfortunately late age. But um, you know, I, I, I love. I do love, I do love the genre and, you know, it's my, you know, but like, but it, it was, but growing up is always a tricky, tricky question. Cause I don't want to like fake the funk on that. So let me, let me be very basic real quick. If you like jazz and, and you look, you got to get the low end theory. You got to get that on vinyl. And, and I think it'd be a, a, a record you would appreciate uh, writing to. Oh, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. If you're looking to um, rap. I, my, um, one of my masks, one of my face masks is actually uh, a tribe mask because i think i think it actually is low in theory like like just the okay. you know, print of it so, so that's where i thought you were going when you said like corny rap i was like that's not corny like all that day loss just not you know people aren't getting killed that's all it is okay you don't have to kill that so, no. okay that's where i thought you were going i didn't know you were calling kurt franklin corny. no i'm just kidding <laughs> no, 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 no he did not call <laughs> 
Oh, man. So we are in uh, the World Series starts this week. Uh, we have the Tampa Bay Rays facing the Los Angeles Dodgers. Um, and at the corner, we have I think this is an interesting kind of moment where we've had some black players uh, intricately involved in the bubble. Not the bubble, but the baseball season. Uh, when we talk about Black Lives Matter, uh, we saw the Dodgers and the the Brewers and several other teams. Uh, uh, I don't know if they call it a strike in the baseball realm the way we called it a strike in the NBA realm, but they did take they did not play their game uh, uh, for that game. Uh, and so we, I think this is an interesting moment where where race has really kind of been thrust into uh, all of our professional and collegiate sports. But in the taste of baseball, it means that they have to talk about uh, race and black lives beyond Jackie Robinson Day. Uh, and so can you give us a feel for how this season went uh, in terms of these issues and how players and, and, and teams, as well as Major League Baseball, grappled with uh, social justice initiatives? Man, dude, that, that's, that's, a, that's, a great, that's a great question because I'm still trying to figure out exactly how how you know how they grappled and how successfully they were with the grappling i mean you got you know i I, major league baseball has as you intimated has always been sort of uh, a long been um a very like you know um apolitical probably as they see it anyway you know um entity that tried to avoid you know hot button issues um, when it, you know, particularly when it comes to social issues in the game or, or do so in the, in the way that is most self-congratulatory, um, which is typical of any institution, any business, right. But like, you know, but, but quite frustrating when the, you know, their own, your only, um, uh, the only bullet in your resume is Jackie Robinson used to work here. Like, that's just not like, <laughs> it's, just, it's just insufficient <laughs> after sometime after like the 1950s, you know, like, so, um, so yeah, so you know they, um, but like, but the I think every between the coronavirus kind of like forcing our country as a whole to like not look away from you know the the, the tragedy of police violence and how, how racialized it is. Um, you know, of course, they have been a video, um, you know, uh, being you know available to so that so that you know it it, it can't be filtered through you know deceitful police officers, but you know, but yet the but then you can see it, you know, and um and then um and and. I guess just, you know, gradual, you know, sort of changes as, as, as a culture about like, you know, how race and racism functions, you know, led to a, a, a an outcry that we couldn't ignore. You know, people hit the streets everywhere, right? All across the country, all across the world. And no company could ignore that, right? Um, I believe baseball kind of tried to, <laughs> in my opinion, in my opinion. Um, it took them eight days to drop a statement about, about uh, George Floyd. Um, mm. eight day, like eight or so days after he died, you know, and I, and believe me, I was sitting up MLB like, and and certain teams who hadn't said anything, um, including the Yankees, and I was asking them like, yo, you know, what's good? Do you are you do you have you know, and not even like nobody even off the record hit me up like to be like, you know, my bad, we're working on something. It was you know, mm. it was it was disturbing, honestly, you know, as someone who like I know you, I know y'all know who I am, like, and you know, you and and you know that even though I'm a journalist, like, there's some personal stake to this, you know, that you can't even mm-hmm. like, you know reply to my emails <laughs> says something about the institution but anyway um but yeah so it took them eight days you know but but because but again because like it's it is bad for business to mm-hmm. appear racist and, and the and the over so-called overton window had shifted as to what it means to be like you know uh racist or compliant with racism you know i think it led major league baseball to take certain action and so i'm grateful for that i'm grateful for 
a you know a a year where like you know as we mentioned as you guys mentioned the, the those those strikes or whatever you want to call them you know um did not lead the people immediately becoming penalized you know by the team not not getting banished from the league um I, I've, I've I've spoken with young players who have had who have said that their organizations have policed their social media activity while they're in the minors because you know they didn't want like you know because because the team was not okay with them espousing mm-hmm. you know like vaguely pro-black or liberal or whatever sort of you know ideas you know what i mean like so that that pressure is, is, is real you know um uh, and so i'm grateful that like that, that people were able to express uh in some way that their that their dignity and you know and their lives you know were of importance and that and that yeah and that should not be ignored however um you know um it was you know it's ultimately in service of the brand and, and because of that it means that they that they had to cut many corners in that you know uh to, mm-hmm. to uh so uh, what is that? What so? What does that look like practically? Right, it means you might have, you know, an opening night, right? Um, opening opening weekend. Um, you you know the the you had uh, a speech actually that Morgan Freeman uh, narrated that just said, that that basically said nothing. You know, like there was no mention of the specific specific reason why anyone was feeling. You know sad about anything you know it was just like today to get today we're brothers no matter what something like that um people were holding this black ribbon um like you know that was supposed to be symbolic again of brotherhood you know but and also i think apparently it was like covert related because we weren't people weren't allowed to touch each other <laughs> and uh you know, so like you know so, so it, was, it was also pandemic you know um public health theater um <laughs> as well and uh, you know, but uh, but again, but like addressing the specific reason that Breonna Taylor was killed, why George Floyd was killed, why Tony McDay was killed, et cetera, et cetera, that was not happening, you know, on like an institutional level in Major League Baseball, you know, um, because you know that to, to do that would mean reevaluating where money goes within you know within the league as a whole and within thirty teams. That means like, do you keep a fifteen percent discount on MLB.com? Uh, forward slash shop for police officers, you know, if, right. you know, if we're, if we're choosing to divest uh, our, 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 fi- our finances to create a world where, where black players, you know, and, and not just black players who, you know, who are, you know, fortunately, you know, I'm glad that, you know, they, they, they're making the money and able to, to some degree insulate themselves from the, the worst horrors of racism in this country, you know, but like mm-hmm. with those players, but, but with their cousins and the, you know, and the people they grew up with, like those people are also made, you know, make sure that, that they're safe and they're protected. That will require significant divestment, you know, out of that. But like, mm-hmm. but, 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 you know, what's a lot more palatable than divesting from institutional racism. And that's that regard is, you know, improving diversity within, within the ranks. And that everyone could agree with that. No one, no one, no one is anti, you know, um, di- well, I shouldn't say that. No one, right. But there was enough of a shared consensus in 2020, right. That like yeah, it's it's sad that there aren't more Jackie Robinsons in the game today. You know what I mean? Like it's that that is too bad. And so like and so you uh, so you, what you will see is that a lot of the race language, you know, uh, or racial progress language used, the the commitments that, that Major League Baseball and its teams use are to, you know are 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 mourning the tra- the senseless tragedy of whatever, right? With mm-hmm. Brianna or George, but like or Jacob Blake for that, you know, for that matter, but not I not naming the specific force that led to that situation. While also promoting yeah. ways that they're trying to grow game, grow the game in you know in the quote unquote inner cities or or diversify their front offices or whatever, which again is good and you know good and 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 important work, 
but is not, but it is a tangent from the thing that caught that arrested the country's ten- tension, you know, the you know, rest of the country's attention. And so, and so go back to those wildcard strikes, you know, or what you, again, whatever you want to call it. I'm, I'm grateful for them. I think, you know, it's important just because it's, it's overwhelming, you know, to, to, I, I don't want to show up at work for a month, you know, like I can imagine like, you know, having the, the pressure of playing, you know, a sport at a high level um, and needing that, needing that respite and everything like that. But I think that there were, you know, op- I think because of the attention, there were, you know, and it's true the NBA as well. Like, you know, there are opportunities perhaps, perhaps with which to challenge the power forces in Major League Baseball rather than like, you know, than merely just declare like, you know, Black Lives Matter, which is good, right? But like, you know, but but I think there, there were other steps that could be taken with which to challenge the power sources um, and for the power or for the power sources to, you know, reevaluate, <laughs> you know how and why and you know and you know they use their power right um but of course that doesn't happen without a fight so yeah no 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 i think i I mean i like you know i think me and lou had talked about this kind of offline for for months right like baseball is always in this kind of really interesting and tricky predicament for us who talk about kind of the black experience in sport right that um, as a as a kid, I, I'm I'm my, I'm sure I'm the oldest one on this podcast. So you know, when you grew up in the '80s, you still had a whole host of of African American stars that you could root for um, that transitioned you from the the stars of the of the '60s and '70s, right? So um, you know, it got you from uh, it got you from you know Bob Gibson to Tony Gwynn, right? Um, shout out, uh, you know, Andre. Andre Dawson, Florida A and M. Vince Coleman, Florida A and M. If you don't say Eric Davis, then this oh, the whole thing. Oh is my over. bad, Eric Davis, <laughs> Eric Davis <laughs> the greatest player the of all great time. Eric Davis, yeah, the greatest great player Eric of Davis. all time. Yeah, I mean, I mean, but we had all these players: Strawberry and Doc Gooden, and all this. And oh so, my gosh, yeah. yeah. Wait, and, I'm gonna cut you off because because yeah. Bradford ahead. had the. Oh man, he's too young for the Mets. But your Mets team in the '80s had like. Doc Gooding, right. Daryl Strawberry, Kevin Mitchell, and Mookie Wilson. Like, my goodness. Yeah, I, I live vicariously through the old stories about the, you know, about those 80s Mets. Um, but I'll tell you something, you know, Doc Gooden, um, even though, you know, I like I, I didn't come of age until about as a baseball fan until like 99, 2000 or so. Um, Doc Gooden was a big part of my, you know, coming to love the game of baseball story. Um, because uh 2000, right? Uh the Yankees were kind of struggling with the pitching, right? And so they uh and Doc Gooden was struggling as a pitcher. <laughs> but they uh like it was it, that was his last year in the league. But they signed him kind of off the street. It was it would be a second tour with the Yankees actually. And they um and they had him start a game and his first start happened to be against the Mets at Shea Stadium. Um so it was a big deal because you know everyone pays attention in New York and he went to the Subway series at that time. It was a very novel thing. Uh both teams are pretty good and end up facing in the World Series as we, you know, come to see. And then it was Doc Gooden making his first return back to Queens, you know, but with the Yankees. And I end up, and that was the first game I remember watching from beginning to end. Um, mm. And, you know, um, and Doc Gooden, again, he was not Dr. K, you know what I mean? He was not throwing 97 or whatever, you know, I, mean, I don't know that Raider guns or whatever, but like, you know, um, at least on every pitch, but like he was not throwing as, as, as crazy hard as he once was. He didn't have the, you know, the, the sick curveball, but he, um, but like watching this, you know, this this old washed version of Doc, you know, compete in game was just like fun to me for some reason. And I have to think it was because I saw a little of myself, you know, and you know, mm-hmm. and seeing seeing a black athlete, you know, like 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 compete and succeed, you know. And he ended up winning that game. He got the dub and and you know, and the Yankees won that, you know, won that round. And so um 
like that. But you know, but that was the first game, game I ever watched at home, beginning to end. You know, one to nine, um, without like my dad present. You know, it was just me, like being like, this is really cool. And so, um, you know, so 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 shouts to Doc Gooden. You know, uh, even his last year, inspiring people. So. Yeah, no, I think it. I mean, I think it's a it's fascinating. Like I, I, you know, I have two sons uh, who are nine and uh, seven, and you know, we watch a ton of sports in this house. Um, and and the oldest kind of likes baseball, but when I try to get him to sit down and watch it, it is it is a chore. Uh, so I think he likes it more in theory than he does in reality in studying it. But I think part of that challenge is also. Um, while the, uh, the 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 Latino and the Caribbean kind of presence in the Afro Caribbean presence in Major League Baseball has has grown exponentially, and I think that's been fundamental in adding kind of a flair to the game. Um, the African American pr- percentage has declined, right? And I think this has always been part of the hand rigging that Major League Baseball has done for the last probably thirty years. Um, but now we're in this kind of weird moment where. Uh, abs- you know, with the exception of Mookie Betts, right? And uh, Anderson, Tim Anderson is his name. Anderson? Yeah, Tim Anderson is a star now for sure. Yeah, those two guys are like carrying the entire mantle in some ways for like young African American stars as we move. I mean, this is what we talked about a year ago, and so it's a really interesting kind of moment, right? And this series, I think, pits some of these things. And so, kind of give you know, we got our sports fans here who will listen to us tomorrow before the World Series starts, uh, and giving us a breakdown on on. Two Two things. One, uh, the success or the lack thereof of the Mookie Betts trade that the Dodgers uh, swung with the Boston Red Sox to get um, the you know most valuable player out on the West Coast, uh, as well as the rising star um, with the Tampa Bay Rays. I mean, shoot. Um, you want to start with Mookie? I mean, yeah, you can start like, with Mookie. Yeah, let's, yeah. So, um. I mean, first of all, that yeah, that was a disaster trade in the moment it happened. Like, just so everyone everyone be clear, Mookie Mookie Betts is one of the a handful of best players in baseball. Like top five at the minimum. Most people consider him the second best right now, right right behind Mike Trout. Um okay. who, who is very much himself a generational all time player, you know. Um but uh, but yeah, Mookie Bet and Mookie Betts was drafted by the Red Sox, developed by him and developed by them and played incredible baseball from the moment he, you know, got called up. He won a world championship with him in 2018, won the MVP award, as you know, as you mentioned. Um, but uh, yeah, he's, um, you know, and, and, but the Red Sox were just like, you know, he's going to be expensive. <laughs> at least, at least based on what we know publicly, like, you know, perhaps they offered him a Godfather thing and he just didn't want it no more. Um, not, not totally negating that possibility. Cause I mean, it's, it's, it would not be the first time a, a black athlete decided no matter, it didn't matter how much he got paid. He didn't want to be in Boston, but but you know, but that yeah. but that, that, is, that, is, that is that is that is that is conjecture based off of you know you know precedent, not not his not my own special knowledge of the situation, you know. Mm. Um, but like, yeah, but they basically decided that that they you know they did not want to resign him, you know, um, mm-hmm. and uh, and so they they traded him for um, a very thin collection of players relative to Boots' uh, Betts' greatness, you know, like mm-hmm. well, well, like Betts again is is you know, going to be a hall of famer so long as he does not like smash a kneecap or something like that, you know, like he's, he's mm-hmm. going. Um, and they, uh, you know, and they got guys who will likely not be hall of famers, you know, not, not necessarily bad players, but like not, you know, but not guys that, that are like franchise centerpieces like him. 
Um, the Dodgers, you know, were able to convince him that you know, to, the, that LA is a place for him forever, and he signed a massive, massive contract. Um, I think yeah. that pushed four hundred million, if not, you know, it was like very close to that. He's a full, he's a full professor. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, he's I, there for life. Yeah, yeah. You, yeah, you got you got tenure, right? So, um, tenure, so, uh, so yeah. So, and he and he's balled out from the moment they brought the baseball season back, you know, in late July. Um, and has excelled every single, you know, has excelled from day one. You know, he, he's he's been balling out, and uh, on defense, particularly during this uh, last round against the Atlanta Braves, um, he saved the season. Like, you know, that's not even hyperbole. He saved the season. They were already down in Game Seven to you know to uh, two to one, I want to say, and he made a, a a diving catch to rob uh, Freddie Freeman of a home run. You should definitely. If you're listening, you should Google Mookie Betts catch, you know. Um, I mean, you probably get a million highlights because he's, he's so nice defensively. But, um, but like this, you know, but if you look at this, you know, this last catch he made, like, you know, given given the context, given how much it would have meant for the Atlanta to have that hit that hit that bomb, like it saved, you know, it's it saved L.A. season and allowed them, you know, to to advance to the World Series. Um, so he's, you know, he's still very much the best player on, you know, what is well widely believed to be the best team in baseball right now you know the, the dodgers right. and so um yeah so he's so, so it's it's great it's great watching him shine it's ridiculous that that the red sox did not appear to make a greater effort with which to you know blow him away with again with that so-called godfather offer that makes it like you know pretty simple where he needs to, needs to go um because he should be his number you know his number should be retired there and he should you know wear would go to the hall of fame in, in, a, in a boston cap but now that probably won't happen because you know they they wanted to uh, they wanted to have more cost control. They wanted to have more pay, pay, payroll flexibility. They wanted to. Well, I, this is a new thing for Boston, right? Because I feel like they were like the highest or second highest payroll in the league for a number of years when they were going to winning World Series and playing in the deep in the playoffs every year. What you know, it's a, it, it's always strange, just as a as an observer of race and sports, that when the black plot the black guy is deserving this massive payday he doesn't get it from a franchise that is has a i'm gonna be fair here a reputation Mm -hmm. right uh of being hostile to black players uh and um and it's not to say they've never paid black players before it just seems as if mookie was the the way they would have been able to continue the success from the early 2000s into this next decade and they just abruptly stopped is this the ownership just lost all their money i mean like there are all kinds of factors yeah, yeah you know it seems like i mean it, it might be a couple of things at play right I mean, first in in and again slap me in the face if i ever defend anything boston related ever again anywhere but <laughs> boston has made some inroads with like you know with minority players, you know, as you guys, I'm sure you guys are aware of it, but for listeners, like, you know, and, you know, particularly with like, you know, with, with uh, Afro Latinos, right. The, uh, the David mm-hmm. Ortiz's and, and Pedro Martinez's Manny Ramirez's, right. You know, those guys being, mm-hmm. you know, pop poppy is like probably the most popular <laughs> Red Sox player ever, you know, ever. Right. Um, and, and, you know, he's a very visibly black man, you know, um, like that, that, and that is great, you know, like the, to see that they, uh, you know, to, to, to see a city, you know, embrace, you know, these, these athletes, you know, um, like Pedro Martinez again as well. And, you know, um, and so that is, you know, that, that's cool. And, and, and Boston love Mookie Betts too. Like, like they, they, mm-hmm. uh, my understanding is that they, you know, they were, they were all about him. Um, but, uh, you know, the, uh, but I think the ownership there, uh, guy, John Henry, very rich person, you know, um, mm-hmm. but he's, you know, I think he, 
I, the team spent a lot of money in 2018 to win. You know, like they mm-hmm. just totally blew everyone out the water payroll was. Um, and the next year they did decline significantly. A lot, you mm-hmm. know, like a lot of guys, even Betts himself, you know, took a step back relative to the 2018 season. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a lot of career years and, and their and their pro- and their farm system had dried up. So now the team wasn't necessarily far away from competing, to be clear, right? Because they weren't bad; they just weren't like as good as they should have been. Um, and so they had, and they had some down years from from great players like Mookie. But what but what they needed, you know, but but they what they could have done is they could have smartly retooled in a way that mm-hmm. like didn't involve you know again just tossing bets <laughs> tossing bets aside. But again, that would cost you know. But that but that means you have to pay three hundred and ninety million or whatever or whatever how much Mookie made, you know, to yeah. with which to with which to keep him around as you retool elsewhere. And John Henry, the owner, like I think he's lost his, a little bit of his stomach for baseball after like winning, you know, a really successful run, of course, you know, breaking the curses and winning three other titles. I think he's more, you know, he's very interested in soccer, you know, like abroad, like he's got like, some soccer clubs, or whatever. He's you know, I think they're going to attempt to make like some sort of like Boston sports conglomerate, like you know, that's going to be publicly traded soon. So like he mm. might be consolidating money in other ways. You know, that's just me again, a little bit conjecture, a little bit of me reading the tea leaves. But like okay. you know, but that, that may be why they decided at this point that they did not have you know want you know ha- want the stomach paying Mookie bets again. It was still foolish. I'm not saying it's smart. I'm just I'm just trying to. uh get inside what they may have been thinking about, you know, as to why they decided to, to uh, turn away. And, and the thing is that baseball does sadly reward you for trading away great players and getting quote unquote cost controlled assets back, you know, young, young players who aren't making a lot of money that, you know, the, the league does reward that kind of thing, you know, because, you know, because they allow you to so vastly underpay good players Mm-hmm. Um, for such a long part for, during during their twenties, during their athletic prime, like that you mm-hmm. could put you could put together a winner if you you know if you're smart with it, um, it, you know while saving a lot of money. And I think that's just what the Red Sox wanted to do. So they may win again, but like, but again, it's still shameful because people because it's not just about having a, a flexible payroll, flexible team that wins, but it's about these guys who who transcend the game and having them, yeah. you know, and, you know, and and making sure that they're etched in stone in your history rather than one of the most shameful moments <laughs> of your history, which is what happened right now. So, yeah, no, I mean, I think, let me, it, oh, no. let me just say one thing real quick. No. I think as yeah. upper new England, like I lived in upper new England and Mookie Betts was amazingly popular. Like it took me a while to figure out who he was. Cause I wasn't following baseball nearly as closely, but all these kids, you know, uh, who lived in New Hampshire and, and, and Massachusetts are running around with Mookie Betts. Sure. So it was, you're right. It was as, you know, it wasn't as if the city did not embrace him in the same kinds of ways that they had embraced others. Um, but it's an interesting decision. Go ahead, Lou. Doesn't say like, as, as the MLB tries to market its game to, to young, uh, black players, wh- is it better for Betts? to be on Boston or the Dodgers and also has MLB done enough uh, with bets now being in, you know, Hollywood in Tinseltown uh, to market the game to, to young black players. Yeah. Um, it is better for bets to be in LA um, in part because it's always better for black people to leave Boston, <laughs> no matter what, you know, even if, even if they love you, love you as a, per, as a, as a, as a player, you know, you still mean, that still means you have to live in Boston a place with no cultural hubs for African-Americans or very few, you know, 
um, relative to other cities in the United I'm States. Just gonna, I'm going to interject because my Boston folks are going to going to come in. The folks who who live in Roxbury, there's a nice small scene, but that, that's neither here nor there. It's not New York or L.A. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, yeah. I'm not I'm not saying there's none. I'm saying that relative to a lot of major American cities, you know, it's just lesser. Right? And I can't I can't say that living there, but I can but I, but I you know by times I visited and literally not seen you know a black face <laughs> for an entire day. Or like, you know, mm-hmm. friends that are out there, like, you know, I, I, you know, who moved from, you know, from Brooklyn to Boston, like for, for school, whatever, like, it's like, yeah, they, they, feel, they definitely feel different. So that's good for him. Right. And, you know, and yeah, it's probably good for his marketing as well, because just because LA is sent is so much closer to, to stuff that you can do, you know what I mean? To, mm-hmm. to up your brand and level up in that way. Um, has, Major, has Major League Baseball done a good job with him? I think they're trying, but like, you know, but it's going to take a while, right. You know, to, to, uh, undo, you know, the damage it done, <laughs> you know, by not, uh, rightfully investing and promoting and really letting, you know, their black and, and also Latino and just people in general be, be freely them, you know, their best selves, you know, their coolest selves, their most fun, you know, fun loving selves in, in ways that, that appeal to, to kids, you know? Um, and, uh, and, you know, a lot of their dalliances with, with black or hip hop culture feel very forced, you know what I mean? Like it's, you know, like, like warm up shirts that read whole squad ready, like the Migos, you know, yeah. like, you know, um, it's just like, <laughs> you know, Mike Trout has never listened to Migos. Stop it. You know, right. like, um, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, and uh, that, that is a, you know, so, so I, one of the things they did very well actually was they did a, a pretty good Jackie Robinson piece um, on Jackie day, which was moved back to the day he signed his contract, with the Dodgers. Um, because of COVID, you know, um, and uh, and they did a they did a little a short film um, promo piece that um, actually my friend Randy Wilkins directed. Um, Randy's a piece uh, at Pam Sun P A P A M S S O N, and on Twitter. But like he, you know, he's a he, he's direct. He's he's worked with Spike Lee extensively. You know, very very talented filmmaker. But he got to do this piece where that um, where Mo- that Mookie Best narrated. Um, you know, where, uh, we, but it was, it was a narration of a few of Jackie Robinson's like, you know, um, famous, you know, uh, I, I think, I think, uh, uh, I have, you know, no, I haven't had it made. I might be butchering the name of that, Lou, but, um, but like, you know, but no, but no, yeah, no, no, yeah. I never had it made. I yeah. never had it made. Yeah, exactly. Like he, you know, he, he wrote, he read from that as they showed footage of Jackie and other people, you know, and, and it was, a, it was probably the most like honest and, you know, like most levity I've ever seen Major League Baseball have about its own history and, you know, not always being, <laughs> um, uh, I guess, supportive of, you know, of black folks in the game. Um, and uh, and included, like, you know, footage from the current, you know, the current movement. Um, and notably, you know, it notably had uh, someone holding a Black Trans Lives Matter poster in it, which mm. was, like, shocking for, a, for Major League Baseball. <laughs> to, to 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 tacitly endorse the reality of like LGBTQ plus you know um, people having a shared struggle, intersecting struggle in the current movement, like that is just like that again. That that was quite quite surprising for me, you know, to see that. But they you know, but they allowed him to do that in, in showing you know um, that there's much more work to be done, you know, <laughs> and uh, and that baseball ought to be a part of that story rather than a deterrent. And so, um, you know, so, so they, so, but, you know, but Mookie Betts was the one who narrated, you know, the script that ran, you know, that would, that, um, based off of Jackie's, Jackie's own words. Um, so like, you know, this, this like stuff happening, but it's just not, um, 
it's not uh it's not what um you know it, it the, the, he he's not LeBron, <laughs> yeah, or, or baseball right, LeBron right. quite quite yet, and and there's you know, you know, it, it, it will t- it will take time, and it will take probably you know just more innovative free voices in the room being able to tell him what to do. But that's that's interesting that you said he's not LeBron because we you know we grew up in the '80s with the era of you know Magic, Larry, Michael, and the greatest basketball player of all time, Dominique Wilkins. <laughs> and if you talk to people who grew up in the same t- time, they still love their you know their their Eric Davises, their Strawberries, their Doc Goodens, their Bo Jacksons. You know what I mean? They're at like they're not at quite Dominique, Mike Jordan level, but they're up there. I right? mean, like we, they're we love, like we love. This, we love Ken Griffey Jr., right? Like that was like right. you and know, that, like that's the last one, right? And I don't think baseball did enough with him, and and because he was cool, he's like, yeah. But it, but it, but you don't like baseball is kind of America's game still, right? Like it still brands itself as that, and to to have your biggest black superstar in, in a in a country where black athletic superstars are often seen as like you know heroes yeah. right mm-hmm. um to for him not to be as big right here he is in the in the world series like granted it's like a covid world series but here he is with one of the it's fair to say the dodgers are one of the the leading teams in major league baseball it's up there with yankees and red sox and it's not it doesn't seem to me to register as much right i and 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 that's the power part of it's the power of football um, you know, and, and, and professional football is huge and college football, big 10 starting back up again, but it's still like something has gone off. And I think you could really build baseball around young black superstars. Right. And, but it has to be intentional. Like you can't have a situation in 2020 where there's a, as much African-Americans on the Dodgers as there was playing, playing in the world series when Jackie Robinson made his debut, right? Like that's mm-hmm. not saying anything to the other Afro Latinos on that team, but you know, David Price sat out. Right. Mm-hmm. And so if I'm right, is, am I right that, that Mookie Betts is the only African-American on the Dodgers or am I missing someone? <sighs> Is Russell Martin Russell, on there? Cause Russell yeah, Martin's on that, every baseball that, team. Yeah. Russell, Russell Martin was in the Dodgers and he's uh he was he's on he every was, baseball he was Canadian team. too, right? Like he like, Oh that's his, yeah. his, his, his dad his, played his in the from Memphis yeah. something like that. Or, or his grandfather yeah. played in Negro League. Yeah, 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 but like yeah, but it <laughs> that counts. We count. So, yeah, like it, it really depends on who you ask cuz Russell Martin an African American. Uh <laughs> you know. Um but like yeah, but but uh but Russell I mean no sorry no he's but he's not he's not I don't even think he was in the league this year. Um, so it's, yeah, it's, it's really is just Mookie on the, uh, on the Dodgers. And then, you know, there are of course, Afro, uh, African descending, uh, Latin players on both teams, which is, but uh, next year they'll have price. Yeah. Next year they have price. But in the world series, I think the Dodgers had Bankhead, but he didn't play, but go ahead. Sorry, Derek. No, no, I want to say two things in this, right? All right. So the world series is on Fox, right? And, uh, you know, this evening, uh, they were, they had, uh, I think they had a football game. Was that on Fox today? I think it was. was. It the Chiefs? The Chiefs was on Fox for some reason. I couldn't figure out why. Kansas City football team, yeah. Right, the Kansas City football game was on. And I didn't really pay attention that closely, but I didn't see, like, I wasn't overwhelmed with ads for the World Series on this, uh, like, this cross-promotion. And and in the ads that were there, I don't recall seeing Mookie Betts. You understand? Like, I yeah. feel like there's a like there's that kind of intentionality. Right, That's exactly. Why. 
and that, um, yeah, go ahead. I'll let you no, go. No, no, no. I, I mean, I think, I think we, we're agreeing. Like, is that it's that kind of like this man should be on every single billboard, you know, like that 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 has any sort of baseball promo, you know, like you yeah. know, every 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 city should be like pimping out Mookie Betts, you know, like 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 his his his, his talent his is 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 incredible, um, you know, his his on field charisma, you know. Like, you know, mm-hmm. people should be, you know, constantly figuring out how, how to extend that into other realms, you know, of entertainment, whether music well, or, 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 you know, visuals that it, but it's not I, happening to the degree that it should. I mean, I just like he had these three amazing catches in three consecutive games that sent him to the World Series. And I saw them. I saw a couple of them like on Twitter and then I saw one live and then. But I haven't seen like that endless like if LeBron made a play, like when LeBron blocked the chase down block that led to the title. How many times did we see that? kind of on a loop just everywhere. Right. Right. And I think some of that's intentional about the way NBA chooses to market, like on, like on Twitter, it chooses to market, you know, buys ad space. It does all these kinds of things in the way that I feel like these players, this gets us back to our, you know, we're going to plug our previous uh, podcast where we talked about marketing Mookie. Um, But I want to talk a little bit about these Afro Latino players before we, before we get off uh, the pod this evening where, um, the Rays, uh, you know, the ML, I guess the most valuable player of the ALCS was Randy Arozarena. So I said that. I said that with like not a lot a, of confidence. Arena, like, Rapper, save him, save him. But I, I, man, don't quote me on that. <laughs> That's all right. That's all right. I, I didn't say it with a lot of confidence. But I want to speak about like, like in general. There has been these Afro Latino. They haven't been marketing these Afro Latino players either. But I think they've been giving them a little bit more space because one of the things that I noticed was I saw a number of bat flips uh, in the postseason, a little more freer. Uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. was amazing for the Padres in, in, in leading them into the playoffs. And he was electric. Like I couldn't I was watching baseball I'm like this dude is electric. Like every time he came up, I wanted to watch him. Uh, have an at bat and I think that there's something that um, that it, for the first time that at least I can remember um, we are watching Major League Baseball uh, give a little space to just kind of broader what we would describe broadly as black culture right in the new black new world culture uh, in terms of style uh, and the thing that I was looking forward to is like all right well he threw his bat and he took a picture a selfie He's going to get hit the next day and it didn't happen. And so I think that there's something to be, you know, what is going like for us who are not paying as close attention as you like, can we, is that, am I reading this right? Or is this a change or is this what's going on here? Yeah. I think, I think people are realizing institutionally, like it's really bad to like um, instruct people to not have fun (laughs) (laughs) Uh, while playing playing an entertainment product, you know? Um, that's supposed to, again, ostensibly be fun. And so, um, and so, you know, and that, and that, and it, it is a function of racism, you know, that it's it existed that way. Uh, again, nothing wrong, nothing inherently wrong with being stoic, you know, um, what, when you play and, and some Latino players are stoic as well. Like, you know, no one's monolith, black players as well, mm-hmm. but like, you know, but, um, but you know, you, if you watch like a winter league game, right. I'm not sure if you ever, you should, I, I would recommend one day, like, if you ever see one on ESPN or something like that, because they will be doing, I think they're doing it this year. Like the intensity of the games are absolutely incredible. Like the the, the fans are cheering so loud, um, and people are just uh, and the, and the antics on the field are like 
you know, it, it, <laughs> it, it, it you know, it, it's it, it's extraordinary. It's what like you know, it's like the things you've heard about the Negro Leagues, you know, <laughs> but like but like brought into you know, but given a Latin and more modern flavor. You know what I mean? Like it's it's wonderful. Um, and so um, that is uh, you know, that that's 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 Latin baseball in you know Latin America. And so, uh, you know, and so they bring part parts of that, but, you know, but they feel deep pressure conform and, and, you know, and they often have to modulate themselves, but it's great to see a guy like Fernando Tatis Jr. Who's kind of the perfect person for this, right? Because his dad played in major league baseball. So he's got, you know, he's got nothing. He's already like a millionaire. Like, so, like, <laughs> no, really, but you know, it, it matters, you know, he's, he's probably got dual citizenship. He's not, you know, he's not feeling like, oh man, I'm, I'll just, you know, if I, if I don't make it, <laughs> like no one's going to. But you know, um, they're gonna send me back. Yeah, send me back. He's also just too too freaking good. You know, like he's he's so great at at the sport he plays. And so when he did get sort of like you know brushed back, he already had all these Latino players on his team. You know, who you know who were like had his back, and um, you know, um, and he had no such a fan outcry because people were starting to catch up again. You know, um, that this is it's whack to to police that kind of stuff, um. That uh, you know, the, and and you know, the b- baseball is, is as you know, as at least as a, as a on their marketing and branding side, is starting to embrace that kind of like sort of exuberance, you know, like like the mm-hmm. the, the tagline in twenty nineteen was "Let the kids play," if you recall, mm-hmm. like what, and so they had like a lot of the players, most of them players of color, they're not not entirely, but like you know, um, uh, Latin or black, the uh, the the you know. I guess I think Mookie was in there, you know, Judge Giancarlo, you know, a few other dudes, mm-hmm. all, all uh, you know, Fran- uh, Francisco Lindor, you know, all of them were mm-hmm. like talking about how they were going to backflip and, you know, <laughs> and stuff like that, you know, <laughs> like that was, you know, it was, it was cool. Um, I, I was, a, it was, you know, I, I definitely appreciated, you know, them so again, again, just catching up, but that's, you know, but that, but that is a relatively new development, you know? Um, and, uh, and yes, you know, I, I I think I think what I would say is that I think the perhaps the reason why you, you feel like you may see that like, like Latino players appear to be getting more space is because there's, there's more Latinos in the game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, um, and so like you know because that stuff affects African American athletes too. Hence the Tim Anderson thing, you know, with him mm-hmm. like getting you know penalized for a bad flip last year. I again ironically during the let the kids play season, right. <laughs> and you know, and uh, and then you know unfortunately suspended for you know using the n word you know um, again with with no understanding of the context he used it in you know, mm-hmm. um, but like so though this stuff absolutely affects black athletes, but like but but it's a little more visible for the Latin players because there are so much more so many more of them in the game, and so just like I think it's just more like a surface area probability that you'll see a run in with a Latin player because of that. Plus, plus the cultural barrier of like, you know, not speaking English as well. And, you know, just, you know, all that kind of stuff kind of coalescing one. Okay. No, that's fantastic. Right. No, I love it, man. I, this is, I, you know, I think as I was talking to Lou about this, when we were talking about the pre-show and, you know, Bradford, we, we are, we have been uh, honored to have your expertise walk us through our supposed sports historians who are, who are flailing, who are basically giving you Tony Gwynn and Eric Davis as our, ba- as our baseball references points. <laughs> That's all I got. That's, <laughs> That's all I got. got. Tony Gwynn. Uh, it's been, it's been a long 2020, man. I might turn, I'll turn into the world series maybe. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm gonna watch. I think they've done, I think they've done a job. I mean, I think I want to see how this uh, turns out uh, in part because um, uh, uh, we've, we've got a lot of young talent, um, and a lot of, a lot of black talent, right? Latino and a Af- black manager. Yeah. And a black manager who 
That's Dave it. Roberts. Dave Roberts. Oh, Dave Roberts. Dave okay. Roberts. Oh, is he, yeah. See, I don't even. Only person I can He's, think of managing is black is, and Japanese. Yes. Yeah. Black and Japanese. That's right. Well, that's the crazy part. And I, as I cut you off, is that we almost had the only two black managers in the MLB play each other in the World Series, right? Mm. Um, and and Dusty, who who had the Houston Astros that everybody hated, uh, was one game away again, right? Like he keeps getting there. <laughs> like it's so sad. Yeah, uh, I always feel so bad for him. But yeah, um, let me let me let me do this as as we wind down. A couple things first before you get off, you're gonna have to make your prediction, your World Series prediction. But uh, we pr- have a lot of young listeners because um, you know we're we're popular on college campuses. Uh, so. So real quick, tell the young listeners, you're you're young, youngish. Uh, <laughs> how did you get into writing on the one hand, but specifically baseball writing? Like what is what do you need to do if you're fresh out of college and you want to be the next Bradford William Davis? <laughs> Man, well, let me say I, I have a very non-traditional path. So first of all, there is no one path towards this. They're just kind of like general principles for like this kind of career. But I, you know, I've always enjoyed writing, always. I've long enjoyed sports. Um, I did not think I was going to be a sports writer, um, like in college. Um, I thought I was going to like either work in finance or work for a team. Neither door open really, so I just started. You know, so I started um, taking just random entry level tech jobs. Actually, just because be, simply in part because I just wanted to wear a hoodie at work. You know, <laughs> and you work for your <laughs> and you can, and you don't have to dress up. I, I'm no joke because I, I had some internships at like you know like banks and financial institutions. I'm like, yeah, this is this is not the way forever, right? And so, uh, and so you know, having this fifth year of college or experience at like you know these tech startups was cool, but like you know, but I I still had you know stuff I want I thought I wanted to say, and so I started you know scribbling and writing here and there, you know, a little bit more, um, and the um, you know, um, shoot, like after I had gotten laid off a tech comp- a tech job, I started a newsletter with a very good friend of mine, Morgan Lee, um, and where we were in- started writing about sports as the intersect with social issues, not just baseball, but you know, but sports a- as a whole. Um, and uh, you know, it, it was uh, it was a, a really fun project to do. Um, while I had time because I just didn't, I didn't have a job, <laughs> and uh, and. Uh, but it but it built up, you know, I think some really strong clips and, you know, helped me like sort of sharpen my voice a little bit um, as a writer. She's a wonderful editor with me, you know. And so um, uh, Lou was made a couple of cameos on 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 the, on the you know, subscribe. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, well, we got jobs and visiting children and all that. But like, but yeah, no, but it gave me it gave me clips and it gave me opportunities to take to take full time writing jobs. So. Flash forward, you know, after like being in and out and out of like sort of sports media or media, you know, um, I had gotten a job as a uh, working in like content strategy for HBO. So like doing stuff like real sports, hard knocks, um, like the promotion and marketing of that, you know, on editorial side, copy and content, copywriting, all that. Um, but, you know, but when I, but like it, when I had, it, I, well, it, there was nothing wrong with it because it secured the bag, allowed me to pay rent and, you know, and all that, you know, it was a, definitely a very good job as far as like perks and all that. Um, but like, it was like, you know, not exactly the job I wanted because everything I wrote was in service of HBO ultimately, you know, even when it was creative, it was creative for the the purposes of advancing, you know, you turning on HBO, you know what I mean? And I wanted to have something that was either more truthful, not that, it, not that it was all lies, but you know, it's marketing, right? 
so either more truthful or, or or allowed me to you know to to be more express more of who I was you know and so um you know and and while not being married to that because I, I I at the end of the day I got pay rent and that's more important than that um I um I I still like would would, would freelance here and there and um and and my now boss like basically you know had gotten the top sports kick at the Daily News and so he started recruiting me. For a job there, I, I I interviewed. I you know I appreciated it, but I turned it down just because of the insecurity with that that's inherent in, in media, um and uh, and just kept plugging away at HBO. But then he uh, uh, you know um I was good to, to bring it full circle with you know black athletes and you know them and and in baseball and being allowed to be to be their full whole expressive selves. Um, the when Tim Anderson, the black shortstop of the Chicago White Sox, who's you know become a really great player the last two years, he had hit a home run. He pimped it out. He you know he, he flipped his bat with like a level of swag and finesse that like no one else has. Um, the a player p- pitcher in the opposing team did not care for that. Uh, beating him by you know which means he took the fastball, threw it right at him. You know, um, and the next next at bat, they, some words were exchanged. It seemed like that was it. Um, but no, Tim Anderson ends up getting suspended. Uh, the pitcher got suspended too, but Tim Anderson got suspended. People were like, what's going on? And the reporter room, as the report was claimed, you know, it was because he had said the N word to someone, probably the pitcher or whatever, you know? And it was like, you know, am I free to use, you know, I guess PG 13 language or <laughs> what here? Um, uh, N word works. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. But he's like, yeah, he's like, you know, but, it was, but like for him saying some, something defective, like nigga was good, you know, like that was, you know, that is not the same as someone burning a cross on your lawn, you know, and major, major league baseball could not just tell the difference and just had this, you know, this like shut, you know, shut, shut door, shut bookcase or whatever of like, you know, of someone uttered a slur and we need to, we need to punish that rather than understanding how it's been, you know, changed and passed through, you know, in, 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 and you know, through through and filtered through black culture to be some, to be something different, you know, than 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 a, than a slur out of the mouth of Tim Anderson, you know. Again, nothing that m- many of your students will not you know <laughs> understand, right? But like, but you got suspended for it, and so I wrote, so I was tweeting about it angrily. <laughs> my my now boss was like, yo, you want to write that up for us? I was like, all right, cool. So I, I closed my work laptop, I opened my <laughs> my personal one. Um, I, you know, I went to a bar, like got a drink and then just kind of like typed away, like, you know, so just free, just what the word, word spit freely. I was, as I mentioned, I was listening to Ghostface Killer, <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, um, mighty, mighty, mighty healthy, I want to say was on repeat. <laughs> and then, um, and, uh, just, you know, and so, uh, and then when it was done, um, the, uh, you know, the column was, was, you know, was, was well received within, you know, baseball and broader sports media, um, you know, you know, and, uh, and it gave me an opportunity to uh, led to an opportunity to me becoming hot, getting hired by the daily news as a sports columnist. So again, really random. I did not write for the school paper. I did not get my bars up, do like, you know, English or journalism classes. But what I would say is that if you are, in, if you are in school, if you're in high school or college or you know, whatever, and you want to pursue this, like you should be doing those kinds of things. You should be good. Like what I wish all the times I wish I was reading and pouring into that part of my, my life a lot more when I was 20 instead of like 30, which I'm now, you know what I mean? Like I, I wish I was, um, you know, just, just, you know, voraciously reading about sports and in book form and not just, you know, I'm still a voracious reader, but like, you know, but, but more, you know, a little more intentional while also reading lot, you know, lots of fiction and like, you know, don't just, don't just read sports media, sports journalism, cause that will, 
limit your your pen, you know, and you want to have the the sickest pen pen game possible, you know. So read read widely, read you know read you know read stuff that you would never think you would enjoy, you know, and just give it a shot. Like um and and then write write every opportunity you can write write when you know while you have don't have you know uh, while while you have as much time as possible, you know, uh, because that time as as I'm sure my my, you know, you, y'all would, would agree, like goes away as you get older and then, and, and, you know, real life hits, but like, you know, being able to admit, but yeah, but write as much as possible, even, even if it's just for your school newspaper, even if it's for, you know, for a personal blog, for a newsletter you want to create, where you just kind of like, you know, figure out a subject you like to start, you know, talking about and start, start writing about it, you know? Um, and, uh, and, you know, do, doing those things, you know, to, to, you know, uh, report that's, I, I, I um, it, that is a, a, a essential task, you know, uh, rather essential uh, to me, an essential skill for being able to stand out in, you know, long-term um, because I, I think my takes are good, but like one of the things I think has really set me apart has been my, as my growth as a reporter since being in the daily news, being able to like find a story and like, you know, speak to everyone I need to speak to, um, ask questions, ask good questions, ask tough questions and synthesize that information in a way that is digestible to, you know, an average reader. Like that stuff is, you know, th- that's the kind of stuff that like, you know, those sources, those connects that come to reporting, you know, the, those scoops, those angles that like sustains you because there are a lot of, there are also a lot, there are a lot of great writers or writers are better than me. Um, uh, and, uh, I want, you know, and, but, but, but me, but I think there, there are not many people who are better reporters than me in baseball. And so, um, like having all, putting all that together, yo, like, um, can, you know, can help really help you um just just uh find your voice find your niche find your talents and um and uh and be the most competitive candidate for uh you know for interesting opportunities as you uh, you know as you advance in your college or grad career and you know or or want to pursue you know or 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 after you know post-grad or whatever so um yeah that that would be my you know my advice read voraciously read everything you know read sports read non-sports write about any, every and everything sports and non-sports as well, you know, re- report, take reporting assignments as much as you can get, just get used to, to the, the muscle of talking to people, which I'm still learning how to do, but like, you know, but I've grown a lot in the last year, um, in that. And, um, and yeah, man, and, you know, and, and just, you know, building that, building that skill set, uh, you know, um, intentionally, um, and having fun with it while you can, um, will just, just get, just, I, I think that is one of the best ways to be, to, to stand out, and have those have the have the sort of experience that people are hoping for, so they don't, so that even though they want to develop and form you, they know that you that that you can hit the ground running and start doing good work. All right, that's Boom. Fan, no, that's, that's fantastic. That's, that's All right, fantastic. we got one minute. Yeah. One one minute. I want to know who's your who's going to win the World Series. Oh, um, I'm gonna say Dodgers in five. Dodgers in five. Lou, who you got? Uh, the Dodgers of Los Angeles. Uh, I'll go six. Oh, I guess I we can make it a clean sweep, and so we can all be wrong. We'll t- I'll take the Dodgers in six. Um, but yeah, man, thank you uh, for thank you, Brad, for for coming on, man. We enjoy this is a this has been a very enlightening conversation. Trying to help you know bring me and Lou back up to speed so we can get out of the nineteen eighties in terms of baseball. <laughs> right, right. Um, and and we uh, appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to talk with the Black Athlete Podcast. Oh man, thank you so much. It was this is a, a joy and refreshing for me to be able to do this. So I, I'm I'm glad I'm glad y'all invited me. Thank you. No problem. All right. All right. Peace. Peace.